Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. With some rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And welcome to the news segment. You know, the, it's been a while since we've had a, a news episode that actually directly discusses football and is not about a specific recruiting commitment. But here we are in the long, long crawl through broken glass that is getting to the college football season. The Big 12 has released, or at least the Big 12 media has released their preseason players and preseason team rankings. So naturally, Connor and I, because, you know, we we, we are contrary to a, no 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 one actually believes we're not excited but we are in the crawl to the the season we figured hey why don't we get ourselves just a little bit more excited by looking at the big 12 preseason media ordeal i suppose we shall say and of course you have the players then the teams and yeah we'll just we'll just kind of go through here we'll start with the players and we'll go through who is actually selected and we'll we'll also sort of as we go talk about players that we think are deserving maybe who we would have put in their in a position other than the person who actually won it just as we go but we can go ahead and start with offensive player of the year just going straight down the list and that the offensive the preseason all Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year was Jalen Daniels, the quarterback for KU. Listen, I, I feel I feel I need to. Well, actually, Connor, you can go first before before I, we we do this. My main issue with this is that whenever he played any sort of quality defense, he didn't really play fantastic. I mean, yeah, he shredded some really bad defenses. Most quarterbacks that are conscious can do that. But it's not even a Jalen Daniels thing. I think it's just a KU thing where, I mean, when Jason Bean played, KU fans will always say differently, and I respect that, but Jason Bean was not a drop-off from Jalen Daniels statistically in any stretch of the imagination. The difference was the schedule got harder. And... I don't think much changes about KU season, if anything. If Jalen Daniels plays all season long, it it's just that uh, their system is really good, which I think makes Daniels a sketchy pick at best um, to be a preseason offensive player of the year because he only played six games last year. Um, he's riding entirely on hype right now. Um, at the end of the day, he's not the best QB in the Big 12. I don't even know if he's a top three QB in the Big 12. And he's not a bad QB either. Like He's definitely a top half quarterback in the Big 12. But offensive player of the year preseason is a massive stretch for a guy that has had about six good football games in his life. Actually, not even that. Because he didn't play great against K-State. He was horrible against Iowa State last year. So more like... fair, just about everyone was. That is true. But he he was unusually terrible. He didn't even pass 100 passing yards. And I think had like 10 rushing yards. Which 
yikes. But he ended up having like three or four good games, which they were good games and they were entertaining games. But I need to see more from Jalen Daniels before I'm willing to anoint him as a preseason offensive player of the year. Yeah. And uh, to, to sort of speak upon your, your Jason Bean point, uh, I, I made a tweet about this. This was two months ago at this point. And I keep referring back to this tweet because it it's true. Jalen Daniels had a 66.1 completion percentage, 2014 passing yards, 8.8 yards per attempt, 18 to 4 touchdown to interception ratio, 162, 162 passer rating, 419 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. Jason Bean had a 64% completion percentage, only 2.1% lower. 1,280 passing yards, 9.4 yards per attempt, a 14 to 4 touchdown to interception ratio, a 171.1 passer rating, 222 rushing yards, and four touchdowns on four fewer starts. Those are comparable numbers, just looking at that. The, the drop off between the two was not that much. And I, I will readily admit, I think Jalen Daniels is a solid quarterback i think he's a solid college quarterback that if you put things in front of him he's not going to screw it up exponentially i think that's what jalen daniels is and there's nothing wrong with being a college quarterback whose only job is to not massively screw everything up but to say that that is the game-breaking offensive player of the year level talent because that to me is what the offensive player of the year should be is this this game breaker that literally the only thing you can do is dread it because yeah. it's going to come to you no matter what. Because I think last year it was Bijan Robinson who was preseason and that made a ton of sense and yeah. he lived up to it because he was unstoppable and a game changer, like you said. And Jalen Daniels has not shown himself to be unstoppable. I mean, he had like 80 yards against Iowa State last year. Yeah, Iowa State's defense was good, but he was also stoppable. Iowa State uh, did not have as much success against Bijan, at least as I recall. But um, nobody really had much success against Bijan. So the Jalen Daniels pick, I just can't get on board with Offensive Player of the Year, or really even preseason all Big 12. And it's not a Will Howard thing. It's just a Jalen Daniels thing. Yeah. As for who I would have probably put an offensive player of the year, and I think this is probably the best argument that I could I could see for putting Jalen Daniels here, is that are there really a lot of great substitutions for him? And the when looking at the list here, you can't really see like one really obvious guy because nine times out of ten it's going to be a quarterback just because it's going to be a quarterback. And the one time it's not going to be is when it's going to be B. Sean Robinson. But if I had to pick someone, honestly, I I may give it to Xavier Worthy over Jalen Daniels. I may give it to Dylan Gabriel over Jalen Daniels. Quinn Ewers, depending on the day, maybe. But they're the big the biggest argument I can see for the Jalen Daniels pick here is he was the most obvious quarterback selection plus 
KU has one decent season carried by an amazing offensive coordinator and no one knows how to behave. Yeah, there, there definitely is a lot of hype uh, around KU. Uh, so I do think that at least somewhat contributed to this. Um, because I, I think if it was done entirely holistically, Daniels, if there was like a preseason second team or preseason honorable mention, he'd certainly be on one of those. Mm-hmm. But to me, he's just, he's not the first team guy. Uh, it definitely not preseason offensive player of the year, but I do get how he is an easy pick because people will think back to last September and think, Oh, Jalen Daniels was a um, Heisman hopeful at one point. And it was the after he faced like, Tennessee A&M and like like Little Sisters School for the Blind. It, it was Tennessee and, Tech, <laughs> Houston, and then Duke. Yeah, and Duke ended up probably being KU's best win of the year. Um, but I think at least that was in part to Duke continuously throwing interceptions throughout that game. Mm-hmm. And also Duke having one of the worst defenses in all of Power 5. So... It's very easy, I think, from an outside perspective to just pick Jalen Daniels because like he is like a trendy pick right now because I think people kind of uh, are having I think they're struggling to have a good perspective on KU because they improved this past year. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're great. That just means that they're better. It's not hard to do. It was not hard to really improve from where they were. But I I feel like that's enough on the offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year being Jalen Ford from Texas. I'm not going to argue about that one. I think that's a honestly a good pick. That's honestly a really good pick for uh, for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I agree. He was, I think, second in the. Um, defensive player of the year um, last year mm-hmm. uh, for the actual season uh, behind Felix. So I remember the shade being thrown by a Morochomo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas players had something to say while they were sitting at home. So <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do about that, but <laughs> no, I, I have no issue with Jalen Ford being the pick here. He's fantastic and had a really good argument for being a uh, defensive player of the year in 2022. So him being preseason defensive player of the year in 23, I don't have any issues with that at all. Yeah. Newcomer of the year being Trayshawn Ward, who's the new incoming running back to K-State. A newcomer of the year is probably the one that I we have the least general knowledge of because we haven't kept a lot of track of transfers in and out from other programs, at least not before doing the the write-ups for each team in the Big 12. But Treshawn Ward certainly seems to be a solid pick as he was a consistently really good running back at Florida State who was just in a crowded room, which could have happened to anybody. Yeah. But I, one thing I do wonder about newcomers is every single player from one of the four new schools counts as being a newcomer. So like if one of them, just like, just like one guy has like a fantastic season, even if they're not like all Big Twelve level. Otherwise, they might just be the best newcomer. 
<laughs> I, I I don't know if they uh, go that deep with it, but the main thing this did for me, though, the Treshawn Ward pick, first of all, I was surprised that it was Treshawn Ward. I was pleasantly surprised, but I was surprised. Uh, other than that, what it did was I think it made me realize that we're kind of letting the Treshawn Ward ad not be celebrated as much as it probably should have been. Because uh, I don't think it has generated as much hype um, as it probably needed to. Because uh, him getting preseason newcomer of the year, uh, that requires a lot of media people to vote for him, at least a plurality. And he he was good enough for many to think he is pre- or newcomer of the year material. And that, that is telling me that I should probably be uh, hyping him up a bit more than we have been doing. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see him. Uh, I, I hope that he lives up to that expectation because if he does hit that expectation, we're going to be a really good team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even if he's slightly below expectation, we still have DJ Giddens and Joe Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I am not worried at all about the running back room. Yeah, nor should you be. So that's the player of the year. Now we can go into the offensive preseason team. Jalen Daniels being the quarterback. I We've gone over this. My personal pick would have been Dylan Gabriel. And I would have, if there were a second team, Will Howard would probably be fighting with Quinn Ewers for the second team. And it, to, for clarity, it's not because Quinn Ewers has done literally anything. It is the potential of Quinn Ewers who has the potential to be the best quarterback that the Big 12 has seen in like the past two decades. Will he reach that? Probably not. (laughs) But he could. But he very well could. He's Spencer Rattler again. Although Rattler's supposedly actually good now. But who's to say? Who's to say? I I feel like we've had that song and dance with Rattler every single offseason, though. So can't really... He's a brand new quarterback. I I will say he did have a few funny quotes during the South Carolina mascot debacle, though, that sort of calmed me down from the Spencer Rattler hate train that I was on after watching the QB one series. Because you you knew I was like the president of that thing. (laughs) Yeah, you hated him for the passion. (laughs) But yeah, do do you agree that you would put some like just not Jalen Daniels? Who would you put there? I think I probably agree with you where it's Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I mean, last year he was like the only QB to basically play the whole year other than Hunter Deckers and Deckers sucks. So, I mean, Gabriel still got hurt for two games. Otherwise, he probably would have been the first team all Big 12 quarter. Yeah. Well, and second Duggan, team, I, I should say. Duggan. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. We may not even see Deckers this year at the gambling investigation. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. That's unlucky. We'll see- I guess we'll see J.J. Cole very early at Iowa State. Uh, he will not be ready, but no, he it's won't. okay. Um, Richard Reese and Devin Neal are the two running back picks. Richard Reese, I actually, I like both of those picks. I like Devin Neal. I think he's a really solid running back. Um, honestly, if I wanted to split hairs, I think Richard Reese is the best running back in the Big 12 right now. Uh, just f- full disclosure. <laughs> Um, Quaylen, like you could make a pretty convincing argument that it should be both of the Baylor running backs and Richard Reese and Quaylen Jones, but I think uh, you can't go wrong with the Devin Neal pick here. 
No, I don't have any issues with that. I'm not going to split hairs on that. I mean, Devin Neal's a really good running back. And he was honestly good even before KU really shifted their offense around. Um, so that tells me that he is really talented. And yeah, Richard Reese was awesome last year. And he still missed a few games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was really, really good. Yep. And he was just a freshman last year as well. So yeah, man's going to be a problem. Like, and he, the fact that he runs the way he does at 5'9, 175, he runs like he's like 6'2, 230. Yeah, he is so powerful. Yeah. He, he's he's going to be a problem this year. Yeah. Uh, fullback, this is interesting. Uh, I, I think this is some clever finagling on behalf of the the preseason squad because we'll do fullback and tight end together. Ben Sinna is the fullback pick and Jatavian Sanders is the tight end pick. I think they just wanted to get both of them in there and like no one uses a fullback anymore. So they're like, eh, whatever. Both of the tight ends can can join the party here. I don't take issue with it. Uh, if I had to pick one over the other, I would probably go Sinnott. Uh, but I could be convinced either way because Jatavian Sanders is just a more athletic and freaky version uh, that doesn't have the contested catch and ball tenacity that Ben Sinnott has. But if you're looking for pure athleticism, Sanders is probably the most athletic tight end that's playing in the Big 12, I think right out the gate, Andrew Metzger could compete for that title. But yeah, I, I don't take issue with either of those picks. Yeah. So Kyle Wildcat made a pretty good suggestion on Bosco's boys that the other spot should be fullback slash tight end yeah. and not just fullback. Cause I mean, it's already effectively being used as fullback slash tight end anyways, given that Benson is there because I mean, he, he's not even listed as a fullback on, uh, K-State roster, I don't think. So, it, it it is splitting hairs because at the end of the day, Ben Sinnott does deserve to be on the team, so I get why they submitted him as a fullback mm-hmm. because they, I think they knew pretty well that Jatavian Sanders was going to um, get the nod at tight end. Uh, so, they submit Sinnott as a fullback. I get it, but it probably should be fullback slash tight end in the future. So, but again, Ben deserves it. He has been, he was fantastic last year. Um, had a huge breakout year. Um, he's probably have another fantastic season this year. Probably one of the, he's on track to have one of the best K-State tight end seasons ever. Most likely. Yeah. Uh, which granted isn't the highest bar in the world because we haven't had a ton of fantastic tight end seasons, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what Ben can do. Yep. Now the receivers I think are are really interesting because it's a trio of Brendan Presley, Xavier Worthy, and Durand Bradley. Uh, Brendan Presley, Oklahoma State, Xavier Worthy, Texas, and Durand Bradley from uh, Texas Tech. All three of those are really good options. I think Xavier Worthy is the best of the bunch. I think the odd man out, honestly, is Brendan Presley. And I there's one person in particular that I think is kind of getting screwed <laughs> over a little bit by virtue of just now joining the conference. And that'd be Matthew Golden, who's just coming in from Houston as a receiver. I don't think Houston's going to be that great. I really don't. But Golden is different. Him and a Tank Dell last year were some of the most insanely athletic uh, American receiver duos that I've seen. 
And I think that Golden's just kind of getting slept on a little bit because it's Houston's first year in the conference. So if I had to swap someone out, I'd swap out Presley for Golden. But I understand why Presley is here because he has proven Big 12 production plus senior, whereas Golden is a sophomore. I think he's a sophomore. I have no idea. But, (laughs) I mean, yeah, Xavier Worthy is uh, the only unanimous preseason team uh, guy, which I don't have an issue with him being unanimous. Uh, someone else not being unanimous. (laughs) Yeah, I have an issue with him being the only unanimous uh, pick. And yeah, I have no issues with Jaron Bradley either. Um, Presley, I don't honestly hate on its face uh, because he is a really great weapon for Oklahoma State. Granted, if we're doing it for 2023, I'm very skeptical of any Oklahoma State offensive player being good. So uh, I think Brennan Presley will probably be the best offensive player Oklahoma State has, but I don't think their offense is going to be particularly potent unless Alan Bowman decides to not be Alan Bowman this year. Um, But remains to be seen. I don't have much faith in that happening. Uh, But Worthy and Bradley definitely deserve it. Yeah. The offensive line picks, we'll start with with Cooper Beebe because he was not unanimously selected. Uh... (laughs) Uh, uh, all right, I guess. I that's really stupid, but okay. Yeah, I I've got no idea what to do with Cooper BB not being a uh, unanimous pick because to me that's just such an easy layup of a pick. I mean, he's a I think multiple time All American now and uh, two time first team All Big Twelve. I mean, that's a layup for unanimous. Like, even that's even more automatic than Xavier Worthy, honestly, um, to be a uh, first teamer uh, and unanimous as well. So I don't get why he was not. I honestly could chalk that up to some someone just forgetting to put him on the bat. I mean, that happens more often than you'd think. So somebody probably just forgot to include him. Um, But he definitely deserves to be a unanimous pick. I'm just going to pretend he was because he was probably like two votes away and it was probably two people. I just forgot he existed from like one of the newer schools. Yeah. But it's whatever. Um, we all know how good he is. He's going to be a first round pick next year. Um, continue that. Hopefully start a streak uh, for K-State first rounders. That'd be cool. I would actually enjoy that. But the other offensive lineman is uh, Kingsley Suamataya from uh, BYU. As a sophomore, yeah, he's ridiculous at tackle. Uh, we'll skip that next one for now. Kelvin Banks from Texas, and then Zach Frazier from West Virginia. Fine. Uh, Mike Nowitzki, the guard from Kansas, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> They're... First off, guard from Kansas. Mm-mm. Nope, sorry, not happening. That that alone is a non-starter for me. But even if Nowitzki is an outlier, he's not. There's an infinitely better pick from probably what has quietly become the most slept-on line in the Big 12, even after losing Connor Galvin, and that's Baylor. Because I know that uh, Mizuka, uh, his first name's escaping me right now, 
but Mizuka was one of their guards and he was consistently one of the best guards in the big 12 in a conference that had both Cooper BB and Steve Avila in it. He just didn't play towards the back end of the year, I think due to injury. And I guess those two games costed him the opportunity to be a preseason all big 12 pick. And instead it's Mike Nowitzki. And no, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, Mike Nowitzki is a fine player, but he is not, not preseason all Big 12 material. That is just not Mike Nowitzki. All those other guys deserve it, totally deserve it. I just do not get it with Mike Nowitzki. I mean, KU didn't really have any great players on their offensive line last year that I recall. And that that's about all the evidence I think I need to determine whether someone should be on there or not. Maybe Mike was really good in all the games that we didn't watch, uh, which I doubt it would. Yeah, that would be very unlikely, but yeah, I, I was very surprised to see his name on here. I was surprised to see any KU lineman uh, make it onto the list. Yeah. I I will say that I would probably trade out Nowitzki and Frazier for Mizuka and KT. I think KT is just I think he kind of got slept on a little bit, but again, it's offensive line. They don't really get much attention paid to them. So it's sad, but it's the way it is. <laughs> uh place kicker and punt returner. That's a uh, Griffin Kell and Phillip Brooks. Literally, who else are you going to put at return? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if there's anyone that is active that has like a punt return touchdown, honestly. Like there I, probably there probably is, but Brooks has got to be one of the few, if any, with multiple mm-hmm. uh career punt return touchdowns. So he's an obvious pick. Plus, people just kind of know K-State for having good returners. So that's also an easy pick uh, for people that don't want to dig too deep. They can just say, okay, oh, state's pretty good at special teams. Right. And just put Phillip Brooks in there and done and done. And it is a good pick. I mean, he definitely doesn't deserve it as like a receiver, but totally deserves it as a punt returner. Um, kick returner. Not really. He, that's just not his game. I don't even think it will be this year. I just don't see him as a kick returner. Um, I think he'll be back there, but I don't think he'll be returning. Well, like, he was back there last year. I think may end up being a, a a sleeper pick for it would be Wesley Watson, depending on how they want to spread out like return or like uh, red shirts, I should say. I but would love perish. to put Darrell Jones back there. I find snaps for him somewhere, please, God. <laughs> Darrell Jones is a freak athlete. I would love for Darrell Jones to return kicks or punts. The dual punts. kick return of Jacob Parrish and Darrell Jones. That would be fun. Two super fast Kansas kids. I would enjoy that, actually, I fear. Uh, defense picks for all Big 12. Defensive line, I don't take any issue with. Uh, Dante Corleone from Cincy. Uh, Ethan Downs from Oklahoma. Dominic Williams from TCU. Byron Murphy from Texas. And Jalen Hutchins from Texas Tech. Fine. I don't take issue with anything there. 
I did not know who Dante Corleone was until I saw this list. He was good. He was solid. I, I believe you. I, I truly do. I'm just saying. I've never heard of this guy before. Yeah. Um, shout out Dante. Congrats on making uh, first team preseason. <laughs> um, but I I hope that you um, have some highlights this year so I can actually like kind of see your game. Yeah. Linebacker. This is interesting. Uh, Colin Oliver, Oklahoma State. Eh, fine. Johnny Hodges. No. Mm-mm. No. Especially when Danny Stutzman doesn't make the list. I think people forgot Danny Stutzman is a linebacker that exists. He's the linebacker. He's a he's the Mike linebacker for Oklahoma, by the way. He's um, really good. He's nuts. Uh, his stat line last year was 125 tackles, 68 of them solo, 10 and a half TFLs, three sacks, two picks, and five pass breakups. Uh, <laughs> uh yes. he's Johnny Hodgins is just like a 1950s middle linebacker. He's going to follow the ball carrier in the run game and make a solid tackle. I mean, Johnny Hodges getting preseason all big 12 feels like charity to a really good team from last year. I mean, this is kind of like if a slightly better Nick Allen had made preseason all big 12. Like this is the same play style, really. They're basically the same person, except Hodges is like a, a few inches taller. Uh, but in the few TCU games uh, that I was able to watch, I don't ever remember Hodges really making a major defensive impact in a ton of ways. Yeah, he's a fine run stopper, but is he really preseason all Big 12 level? I do not think so. I think I agree with you. Danny Stutzman should have been the pick. I would absolutely listen to arguments about Daniel Green because I'm super biased. I'd listen to Austin uh, Moore. Yeah, him and Austin Moore, both uh, I would listen to arguments. I still think it should have been Danny Stutzman, but whoever it was, it shouldn't have been Johnny Hodges. No. And then Jalen Ford. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Mm-mm. Defensive backs, TJ Tampa at safety. No, no problem with that. Uh, we'll skip that one for now. Um, Kobe Savage also at defensive back. Yeah, I I think Kobe Savage is going to, I think he's going to be different this year. <laughs> I think he will too. And I'm still a bit surprised he made it. I really thought he would be more doubted coming off of an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. But it Especially seems like a the year. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the conference still thinks really highly of him, which is great because I do think Kobe Savage is, um, I think he does deserve preseason. I just didn't think that the rest of the conference would be on board with it, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I am as well. Uh, Kendall Daniels from Oklahoma State. Uh, Putting an Oklahoma State defensive back after last year on this list, even if he is the best of those options, I don't mm-mm, mm-mm. Kendall Daniels probably isn't the pick there for me. And honestly, I'm running out of defensive back names that I would replace with because uh, of the one we skipped earlier, which we'll still come back to. And then Josh Newton from TCU. I think he's probably the best pure corner, at least based off of what we have now. Uh, I think he's probably the best pure outside corner in the big 12 right now with the potential to be usurped by 
uh, people like Jacob Parrish or Will Lee, if he's living up to his potential. Now the one we skipped. All right. Um, this is another one of those. Like, we're going against the grain here. Kobe Bryant from KU. Kobe Bryant is not that guy. He's never been that guy. I think that this is a case of a really, really bad defense having one really like solid player that plays a position that gets a lot of one-on-one opportunities, who's made a few highlight plays, who gets massively overrated because of it. And my biggest issue is not only that, because again, the there was the Big 12 lost a lot of DBs in this last offseason period. They really did. Like a lot of the really obvious candidates for this position are gone. Um, Kobe Bryant's not even the best defensive back on his own team. That's Kenny Logan. <laughs> Kenny Logan is not only the best on that team at defensive back, he has been for probably three or four years. Yeah. And Kenny Logan is legitimately a fantastic player for those who think that we keep dumpstering dumpstering on like every KU player, like well, not true Devin Neal, but <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we like Devin Neal. We just think that Nowitzki and Daniels are a bit overrated there. And Kobe Bryant, we're not even saying take KU out of that. We're just saying pick a different KU player. Cause I think the voters got it wrong with Kobe Bryant. Uh, Cause I totally agree with you. Kenny Logan's fantastic and absolutely deserves preseason all big 12. Uh, I, I'm shocked that it was Kobe Bryant over Kenny Logan because to me, it's obvious that Kenny Logan is significantly better than Kobe Bryant. And I, I just, I don't get it at all. I I truly do not get the decision to put Bryant over Logan, but Logan, Logan's a hometown hero. He's started for like four years. Like at this point, I mean, he was good before Leipold was there. Like, that's how good Kenny Logan is. <laughs> yeah, Rose transcended administrations. Yeah, he, he's really good. And he, he was a total snub here. Yeah, I, honestly, I think you can make a pretty convincing argument that Kenny Logan is the biggest snub out of this list. You can make an argument. I don't agree with it. Danny Stutzman. But... <laughs> I you can make an argument. I would listen to it because wow, he got he got knocked out by someone on his own team who is significantly worse. Yeah, I do not get it whatsoever. But you know, maybe next year we'll get uh, votes for this. I, I don't even know how to do that, but it'd be funny if we Talk did. Scott about it. I guess sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then, of course, uh, Mason Fletcher, the six-seven punter from Melbourne, is the all-season punter. So we, that's the uh, the All Big Twelve players. A couple of surprises, a couple of big snubs. Those are our thoughts on that. And before we get into our big the uh, Big Twelve preseason team rankings, here is a quick word from today's sponsor. And welcome back to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where we're going over the Big 12 preseason shenanigans or extravaganza, if one would. And this one is the this half of the episode is covering the football Big 12 preseason team media poll. And we'll just dive straight into it. 
going uh, team by team, say if we agree with their placement, whether we put them higher or lower. So let, let's start with just the first team. The team voted first in the Big 12 is Texas, receiving 41 of the first place votes. I can't say I'm surprised because, like, if this was a pure, like, NCAA 14 simulation, Texas has not only the most purely talented roster in the Big 12, but probably has a top five purely talented roster in the country. So, like, I can't argue with it on paper. Every argument that I could make literally boils down to it is still Texas. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well, because I do agree they're super, super talented everywhere. And they're far and away the most talented and athletic roster in the Big 12. It's not particularly close, I think. Um, and Sark, while still having his flaws, is at least better at managing the talent than the prior several coaches have been, it seems, to the point where he's able to put together some respectable teams, even though they still manage to Texas themselves at times. Um, so I'm not going to complain too much about this. I will laugh if and when, hopefully when, uh, Texas does, uh, um, end up faltering and They're going screwing to Texas up. themselves. They always do. That's kind of what I keep coming back to is some point or another, they are going to slip up and mess up. And, uh, I'm because Ewers is just so wishy-washy. I think they're going to be really pressured into if Ewers shows any signs of struggle. I think they're going to be really pushed into Arch Manning, and I don't think Arch is ready at all. And I mean, like, Arch on the D1 Power 5 field right now is leading a lamb to slaughter, I think. But Texas still the number one pick. For once, it really isn't actually that shocking on paper. In the past, it always has been shocking just because, like, their coaches have been stupid and their talent doesn't know what to do. But at least they have, like, an okay coach and a lot of talent. So I can justify them at number one. Yeah, I I think that's the best way to say is that it can be justified with them at number one and a Big 12 that's this year may be more of a bloodbath for the Big 12 than we've seen in a while in a conference that's notorious for being a bloodbath. (laughs) But second, in a in a rare reversal of this team getting media respect in a preseason. K-State's actually finished second, only 28 points behind Texas and receiving 14 of the first place votes. And to me, it's not necessarily that K-State is the anti-Texas in that if you put them through an NCAA 14 simulation, they're probably a middle of the pack squad. But like, I think it's just a testament to cohesion because I, I always use this analogy a lot. Uh, you can hit all the right notes and still somehow manage to not have them sound good together. And it's a point about cohesion. It's a a point about how the team melds together, how they cover one's weaknesses. I think in many ways that Texas is the most talented team, but they have weaknesses that they don't opt to cover for because they opt to focus on their strengths. I don't think K-State as a team has any glaring weaknesses. And a lot of that 
isn't down to talent, although they do have a lot of really talented pieces. And I'm not trying to to say that K-State is the scrappy underdog team who has to deal with, you know, two star recruits and still winning and stuff like that. Cause that narrative's dead. That narrative's dumb, but it's, 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 it's a matter of how this team manages to play together. And I noticed that especially on defense and I think the back end of last year, Kobe getting hurt, hurt a lot because you could tell that the back end just didn't have the communication. Well, now the communicator is back and now we just have a clone of the communicator in Daniel Cubs. <laughs> yeah. I I think gay states a really good second place pick. I would have been very, very surprised to see them in first. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's telling that uh, K state and Texas are very close uh not as close as some other teams but they are quite close um relative to the rest of the pack relative to each other um only being 28 points down so i think it's telling that i think a lot of the media seems to think that there's going to be a texas k-state uh championship game uh i think k-state getting 14 first place votes looks nice uh we don't often get first place votes so uh, it's nice to have the number with the parentheses next to your name. I also um, think it's interesting that, sorry to interrupt, but I think it's interesting that the fact that Texas got 27 more first place votes, but the difference between the two squads is only 28. So like there's, it, there seems to be a bit of volatility with where Texas is placed that maybe K-State just doesn't have. I think you're onto something there because K-State having fewer first place votes, but still being fairly high. Tells me that a lot of people probably had them like the top three or four, whereas a lot of people having Texas at number one was probably offset by probably, I don't know, some salty Oklahoma writers that had them down at like six or seven or something like that. <laughs> and I so I per Texas, as usual, uh, they're they're volatile uh, to the shock and surprise of absolutely no one. But I it's nice to see K-State up there. And if they still outperform their uh, preseason projections, then we're probably going to the playoff. But <laughs> uh, that, That's really the only way to go from there. Um, but I think K-State earned it. I think they earned that uh, second place preseason. And I'm, ha- I'm really happy to see it because I do think K-State has the talent, even though they don't have as much inherent talent as Texas. They're still a very talented team in their own right, and they have a lot of really good pieces uh, and better coaching. Uh, Even though Texas does have the top roster talent-wise, I think K-State does have the best coaches, um, best support staff, Um, but I, you can't really say in good faith that they have, air quotes, the most talented roster because so much of talent is driven by stars, which... Do matter to a certain degree, not always, but they're a good indicator of talent. Uh, and Texas does have a lot of that. But K State has rightfully earned its place as number two in the preseason poll with a really good shot to repeat as Big 12 champions. Yep. Uh, I want you to talk about three, four, and five together as like, I want you to discuss them because three, four, and five, wow. <laughs> yeah. All of them are so close. Um, Oklahoma at three, Texas Tech at four, 
then TCU at five. Oklahoma and Tech got four first place votes. TCU got three. And they're all within 31 points of each other, with Tech and TCU being separated by just two points at uh, four and five. So it, there's a kind of a log jam there right uh, on the fringes of the title game. So to me, that what that says is a lot of people think that Oklahoma Tech and TCU are going to be going like nine and three with one of those schools probably getting up to 10 and two in the regular season. Um, and I get it because I mean, Oklahoma does have a lot of inherent talent still. It's hard to bet against them after one subpar year. Um, because Venables in year two, head coach, yeah, yeah, Venables is getting into year two, has had more time to install a system, and we're really gonna find out if he is a bad coach, a decent coach, a good coach this year. Um, obviously, it's not set in stone forever, but we're having a much better idea of it uh, this upcoming year. Because last year was just kind of a mess all around. Uh, but again, Oklahoma does bring back Dylan Gabriel. Uh, they don't keep everybody, but they should have a ton of talent on that roster. Uh, Tech, um, they've been recruiting like crazy. And Joey McGuire has shown uh, some really fantastic recruiting ability in the state of Texas. I get them a number four. I totally do. Because uh, I think they are going to be really good. Um, it, with these three through five teams, it's going to kind of come down to luck of the draw and playing good at the right times, I think. Uh, and then TCU, yeah, down to five. You could see that as disrespect. They do lose a lot. They do have some very high-level transfers coming in, but at least some of them don't have a lot of playing experience. Like I know they got an offensive tackle from Alabama who was like really highly regarded, but he hasn't played a whole lot. So again, this is back to back years where we're kind of scratching our heads with TCU. I think preseason, we may live to regret it yet again this year. Uh, Cause I mean, there is still something to be said that Chandler Morris was selected to start the season over Max Duggan last year, even though Chandler Morris had a bad first game. Uh, it's tough to draw a lot from one game. I remember getting a really good game uh, in 2021 against like Texas, I think. He threw for like 450 or something like that. Yeah. And so it is tough to make heads or tails of that GCU team as of now. They lose Quentin Johnston. That is super rough. But they lose Darius Davis. Yeah, that that's rough as well. They lose Kendrick Miller and uh, Di Mercado as well, I think, on the uh, offensive side. I don't know if they bring back Josh Newton. They do. Uh, okay, they do. Uh, they still lose Hodges Tomlinson, though, I think. Mm-hmm. So a lot of really high-level talent. D winters. Yeah. Tough losses for TCU. So it, they're going to be one of the most difficult teams to predict just because – they lose a lot. They bring in a lot of talent, but is it going to gel? Is Sonny Dykes going to continue to have a fantastic early career with TCU? Or is he going to fall off a cliff this year? Because, I mean, TCU had a lot of close games last year. So it's um, it's tough to say. But I will be watching them closely this season. Yeah. I, I think the 3-4-5 line is really interesting. I think Oklahoma's probably a little too high. Um, because they are 
like they're losing Theo Weiss, for example, and the rest of the receiving court. They're losing uh, Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss, uh, one of the draft and the other transfer to MU, by the way. But <laughs> um, I, I'd probably swap them in TCU. I, I just think that, you know, although the, the college football playoff tax did hit TCU pretty hard, I, I still think they probably deserve that respect. Tech, I think, could surprise people. Like, I, because everyone sort of remembers Tech as, you know, they're just, they're just a really fun team, you know. Uh, Tyler Shuck is back. I, I don't think, and it's been so long since I've seen Tyler Shuck play a full season. I straight up don't know if he's good or not. Because it seems like every year that Tech has had over these past few years, They've had a revolving door at quarterback. So maybe if Tyler Shuck stays healthy, you know, they they have one quarterback and maybe that's what causes them to roll. Because what? In the game they played against us, the the Felix carrying the guy game, they played, was it two or three quarterbacks? Because they played Donovan, they played Henry Columbi. Yeah, I think it may have been two, but I can't recall. Yeah. And last year they played like four. <laughs> Because Shuck got hurt, then it was Donovan. Columbia transferred out to Marshall. Then they played, uh, I think they played three quarterbacks in one game. Because uh, Yeah, they had Morton. that one freshman that Morton. they liked. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tech, I think they're in a very similar position as K-State was at this time last offseason, where a lot of people are saying, like, hey, Tech is a really trendy uh, Big 12 title uh, pick. I mean, it called a dark horse so much that by the time the season starts, they're just not a dark horse. They're mm-hmm. just like firmly in like the favorites. So it's uh, I think I think that's the trajectory tech is on as of right now. I'm really interested to see uh, where they take the season because I like them probably the most out of that three through five category. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably because they have the most upside, I think, and they're the biggest underdogs of the group. Because OU has, of course, their longstanding brand. TCU was in the national championship last year. Tech uh, is coming off a really dominant bowl, bowl victory over uh, Ole Miss. So they, they've had momentum all offseason. They've got a ton of talent everywhere. Um, yeah, they lose uh, their great edge rusher, but it's, you know, they're, they're in Texas. They're going to reload. They'll be fine. Yeah. The uh, six, seven, eight, nine line is kind of the next tier. That's Baylor, Oklahoma State. Shout out to the one person who gave Oklahoma State a first place vote. <laughs> and then UCF and KU. Eh. 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 I, nothing there really strikes me as overly bad or overly like, oh, wow, that's interesting. If I wanted to split hairs, I would put UCF above Oklahoma State and maybe KU wouldn't be receiving as many votes as they did. But then I look at the the bottom of the conference and wow. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just finish out here because Iowa State's 10, BYU 11, Houston 12, Cincy 13, and West Virginia last. Uh, if Luke Fickle were still at Cincy, I probably think Cincy would be like second, <laughs> not second, but like fourth or fifth. 
but yeah. they uh, they hired Scott Satterfield to perennially carry them to seven and five. Yeah, I cannot wait for Cincy to just completely stifle their program's progress for like six years now. That's going to be fantastic for us for whenever they come up on the schedule. But yeah, I don't know who gave Oklahoma State a first place vote. Whoever that is needs to lose their voting privileges forever because there's people that are high on OSU this year because of their schedule and there are people like me that think that they're just going to be absolute trash. I I get the easy schedule thing because they do have a very easy schedule, but they're just, there's nothing on that team that makes me think that they can be a top half of the Big 12 team. To me, they're, they're going to be lucky if they can get bull eligible, I think. I do not like Alan Bowman, a quarterback. They have like one proven weapon at receiver and Braylon Presley. Um, their offensive line, I, they're probably still at their fifth string center. I, and they're, they've got Colin Oliver on defense, but just not a lot of really exciting stuff around this team. They had that one running back transfer from like Western Michigan for a bit or central Michigan. But then I think he decommitted and went elsewhere. Uh, Sean Tyler, Sean Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. At least I thought he committed. Maybe he didn't, but they lost him or didn't. Uh, but yeah, I do not like Bowman um, as a QB. Maybe he finally figures it out, but I mean, he was a tech QB for a while. He wasn't very good at tech and he transferred to Michigan and just didn't play. And now is back in the big 12. Sean Tyler's at uh, Minnesota now, by the way. Oh, uh, gotcha. Interesting. But Oklahoma State, I don't see it. I, I just don't. For our sakes, I hope they win like seven and five and keep Gundy for longer because I think Gundy's best days are definitely behind him. And I think he's in the twilight of his career, most likely, unless he makes some major changes to his coaching philosophy, which if I know Mike Gundy, he will that not be happened. doing that. That ain't so. happened, man. Uh, Baylor, I think they're like the last team, and that like, I think they deserve it to be that last team in the top six, where they're like one of the last teams that could contend and would not shock me. Um, they would be the most unexpected by far, but it wouldn't shock me to see Blake Shape and take a step up this season because I think last year his season really got derailed after he had a concussion. So if he, if he can come back this year uh, with a renewed strength and really play well, then yeah, this Baylor team could end up being a lot better. The receiver core needs to get a lot better too, but uh, they they have an outside shot at being decent. Yep. Uh, UCF, I like just because of Gus Malzahn and John Reese Plumley. Uh, KU, no. Uh, Iowa State, they'll have a good defense, but offense is a massive question mark. BYU literally could be anything. Uh, BYU could finish as high as like fourth in the conference or could finish last, and neither would really surprise me. Uh, Houston, no. Uh, Cincy, they have the talent, but Scott Satterfield's the coach. West Virginia, I really wish we played West Virginia this year. Me too, man. Because it would be, a, I think it would be a home game as well. It for would us, be. Which, gosh, that would have been so nice to like make our homecoming game for an easy win. But like, 
Neil Brown is not going to be coaching there after this season. I'm shocked he's coaching this year. I for sure thought he was going to get fired after last season. Yep. I How he is surviving as the head coach of West Virginia is unfathomable to me. Yeah. I would put Houston. I put Cincy above Houston personally because mm-hmm. um, I think Dana Holgerson is also another coach on the way out because it's just the West Virginia effect. But yeah, West Virginia is about to have a rough year in football and basketball. It seems like uh, I'm so sorry about near fans. It looks like it's going to be a bad year for you guys, but Iowa state. I think you're right on them. Their defense will be good, but wow, their offense might be worse than last year uh, if certain if certain circumstances hit. Um, KU is probably about where they should be, I think. Um, ninth and above a bunch of objectively really, really terrible teams. Uh, I, I think that's about where they should be. But gosh, beyond that, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about it, I don't think. Sure. I I sort of I would rank I think I'd kind of rank it pretty similarly. I think my list would probably go Texas one, K State two, TCU three, Texas Tech four, Oklahoma five, Baylor six, UCF seven, Oklahoma State eight, KU nine, BYU ten. Iowa State 11, Houston 12, Cincy 13, and West Virginia last. It's minor changes other than um, TCU climbing above both uh, Tech and Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm not even going to go through the list like you did because mine would be very similar where I would keep teams within the tier that they're in right now because there are kind of separated tiers in this list. And I think there'd just be some minor shuffling. In that regard, I wouldn't mess with it too much, honestly. Um, yeah, there I would probably delete Oklahoma State's first place vote if I had the choice, but I don't know what to really do about that. So it's a I'm a solid poll. I, I think people will be upset about Texas being one. I just don't care, honestly. <laughs> they can have that. Hunter, good job maintaining a your train of thought there as a moth flew in my face and I uh, panicked a little bit. I had a duty, man. I I had to step up. <laughs> I had a mission. <laughs> my team needed me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all the actual news, but it's the, the long awaited return of the wacky segment of the week. And uh, now that it's been announced that K-State will be looking for uh, sponsorship and naming opportunities for Bramlage Coliseum, that opens up this week's wacky segment of the week question of who are you having sponsor Bramlage for the name? That's a great question. If we wanted the money, you got to go with like BNSF or something like that. Yeah. Um, Shamrock, I guess. If you wanted a legit local sponsorship you'd have to probably say like dylan's or something and like the that. nbaf arena nbaf it could be uh, that one biotech place scorpius mm-hmm. um that doesn't exist yet but they will i think they will but uh 
and then I guess if you wanted like just like a fun one, it could be like Raising Cane's Coliseum or something like that. I think that's a. Uh, I think that already exists in Baton Rouge, though. Uh, there's like two T-Mobile centers, so I guess fine. that's true. There's one in Vegas and there's one in K in uh, KC. So yeah, but I don't care about Baton Rouge, so we'll, we'll take Canes as well. But <laughs> um, I don't know. What What are your thoughts, Hayes? The Aggieville Alley Cats Arena. <laughs> You know, I think that'd be really advantageous for us. Um, I'd actually accept that, actually. I, I would take that deal in a heartbeat. I think that's a really great thing for to happen to us and also K-State. I'm not going to explain why it's good for K-State. <laughs> uh, because but the just reasoning, you guys wouldn't understand the reasoning. That's very deep and layered. It's not easy to explain. So just trust us that it would be really good uh, for K-State if they had the alley cats arena for no particular reason that's it yeah uh in all seriousness i don't really know who i would want to sponsor bramlage because i think it would just be like a gh field at a at arrowhead anyway to where everyone would just still call it bramlage and every like the corporate sponsors keep begging people to call it gha field like at arrowhead stadium or something like that I don't think anyone would do it. So it almost doesn't matter. I don't want the Koch brothers to do it. I don't. Ask the Koch brothers. I, I know what I said. <laughs> I know what I said. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't want, I don't want them to either. Wichita you can keep them. I just don't care. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, I agree. Um, I don't think that people would continue calling it Bramlage. Because even though it sounds very correct to me, it's not like it's not like it's the Hearn. Like it would bother me if it was a Hearn that they were changing the name of, but it's Bramlage. It hasn't been around for that long, like not even forty years. I mean, it's a while, but like not as long as a Hearn. So it, it's not a huge deal to me, I guess. Uh, what they um name it, as long as it's not like stupid, I guess. So like, is the Octangon of Doom? Is that still on the table? I take it that we have to basically sign Tang to a lifetime contract and then get him to just like hang out at every game after. But um, that is was Bruce's bounce house available. <laughs> yes, it is actually. Um, I did trademark that tonight. So <laughs> I'm sorry I, to steal your joke there, man. <laughs> it is okay. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of interesting opportunities. I don't want it to be something. I keep seeing people say something like John Deere or Case IH Arena. I'm like, let's not, it's I guess. Not. Let's not do that. But that's just me. Maybe we can call it like, I don't know, like Anime's Arena, Taco Lucha Arena. I honestly so think Aggieville Arena, Arena wouldn't be bad. It would be a little misleading, but it wouldn't be bad because it's definitely not Aggieville. But it would be a solid name. And you have any you have any closing thoughts for this episode? No, I don't. I don't Other either. than I am very happy that we're getting closer uh, to football season. Under two months now. Yeah, under two months. The that first, not week zero, but the first actual week has a battle of the uh, the Miamis that I'm excited for. Isn't it? Miami lose like a pretty bad G5 game last year. Then they yes. lose Middle Tennessee. Yes. I think that's funny. Whoever I think wins be... gets to be the real Miami. 
I, I hope that Miami loses. Not even because I particularly care about Miami, Florida, but because I just think it'd be really funny uh, for them to lose to Miami of Ohio. So that way Miami would always get those bragging rights. I can't keep saying Miami like there aren't two of them yeah. each other. But... <laughs> All right. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alleycast podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or threads. Yes, threads are a thing now at Aggieville Acats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edwards, a zero zero. I'm at Connor Balthazar, capital C, capital B. And the time for financial support is approaching soon, relatively soon. Soon is a term that exists. Could be soon. It's relative. It's relative. Anyway, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>